Kelly, can you hear me? I think you're on mute. Hello, hello. All right. Sorry, I was waiting in the uh, Google uh, Hangouts meet, and then I was like, mm, let's try this. I know a lot of, uh, I don't know, what, Facebook's down. Um, I think Twitter was for a little bit. Tons, tons of stuff are down at the moment. But uh, yeah, sorry, I've never used Colin, so this is my first uh, first chance at it. Well, awesome. Yeah, no, I um, yeah, I actually, I don't know if you're familiar with. Uh, do you listen to a lot of podcasts? I do. I love podcasts. Okay. Well, wait. Let me first introduce you. So, Kelly, it's been a long time. We we've known each other for decades, um, but actually, I know <laughs> haven't spoken in so long. Um. We're going to talk about your new, well, not new, but your company, Motives Men, and um, really want to hear, you know, the journey um, as a as a fellow entrepreneur. I think it's always great to hear everyone's story and kind of what you're working on, what problems you're having, and like how you see the business going. So, um, yeah, basically, you know, this this app I, I found on, um, I, I like religiously listen to this podcast called the all in podcast with like David Sachs, Jason Calacanis, Tremoff. I can never say his last name, but the, 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 the billionaire, uh, social capital guy. And then the, the scientist who's also an entrepreneur, David Freeberg. And, um, anyways, this is new. Um, David's new, uh, startup that, uh, they did that makes it super easy for podcasts. So I'm like, why not? I've always wanted to. So I don't know. This is like sixth or seventh episode. But let's kick it off. Tell me about the background um, to give a little context on, like, you know, leading up to to the business. Um, why don't you kick off there? Sure. Yeah. So. I've been in kind of human behavior market research for many years. And so was my mom, who's actually the other co-founder of Motives Met. Um, you know, I've just always been driven to understand why do we do what we do and why sometimes don't we do the things we want to do? How do we reach our potential? How do we have our best possible life? Um, so this is an area I've kind of been in for a while. And then I also started into mindfulness and meditation, as well as cognitive behavioral therapy and mind management, cognitive coaching. So essentially, I took all of this background and poured it into Motives Met. And where it really started was my mom and I just talking about this work world that we dreamed of. Um, I think probably like most people out there, at points in our work life, work had been a great source of pride and happiness and joy for us. And at times, it also had been completely miserable um, and didn't really help us live the life we wanted to live. So, you know, we would talk about creating a work world where there was real well-being, you know, where the relationship between the company and the individual would be really a win-win for both and not just one-sided. And even though mental health is something that's being talked about in the workplace a lot, which is amazing, you know, we thought about how do we really create a work world where mental and emotional health is truly a priority and it isn't something that's just talked about. And stress would be manageable and burnout a thing of the past, right? So we talked about this whole world, but mm -hmm. we didn't want to just keep talking about it. We wanted to take action. 
And it was a good point in time because work well-being has become a hot topic of conversation. But we wanted to know, you know, how do we really achieve well-being at work and how Mm -hmm. do we measure it? Um, You know, how do we kind of challenge the status quo? And, you know, essentially we went all in on the research to answer all of these burning questions. Um, Put the motives met way, we wanted to know what makes a work life well lived. And, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people claim to have the answer. You know, we've all seen, you know, you listen to podcasts, right? You know, there are so many podcasts where there are thought leaders that come on and say, hey, you know, to have the best possible team, you have to have autonomy and gratitude and purpose, right? And then there'll be someone who gives a TED talk on something else, or, you know, a book will be all about community at work and how that's really the key. So we dove in and studied all these different dimensions of work that we call motives, Mm -hmm. So motives are your psychological, emotional, and social needs at work. They're the stuff that's really the most important to you. And from all of our data and analysis over years, essentially what we found is that well-being at work is when people's motives are met. So just to give some context, we identified 28 primary motives that fall Mm -hmm. into 10 larger overarching domains. So, for example, in the freedom domain, there's the free expression motive the autonomy motive, and the flexibility motive. And what our research showed is that when people's most important motives are met, right, there are 28 motives mm-hmm. and they're all valid and worthy and they all make up what well-being at work really is and our ability to thrive. But when those things that are most important are healthy, when those are strong, that's when people thrive at work. That's when people have real fulfillment and happiness. But it gets really tricky because these top motives are different for everybody. And everybody has a different story behind their motives, right? You know, why is something so important to me? Why do I need that to be happy at work? What what are the obstacles in the way of that motive being strong? So a lot of people kind of, you know, have a one size fits all approach or a specific recipe that they say makes up being happy at work. But truly we found well-being is just messy. But that's why we created Motives Met to make it easier. Because that first step is really getting clarity on what is most important to me. And how is that different than what's most important to you, Steve? And how is it different with the people I manage and the people at my company? So our tool gives this framework for defining well-being and understanding it and having common language to talk about it and better manage well-being at work and lead people when you really want them to actually have work wellness. But when you take our assessment survey, you identify what are the top five motives that you need met right now in this particular season of your work life to be the most fulfilled. So that's just at a high level what motives met's all about. So a lot of questions. Let's take one step back. So before we dive into the business and... um, I'm really curious about, you know, doing a little research here. So where did you pull these 28 motives from? Like what, what, where did that derive from? Well, it started more on a qualitative um, and just secondary research standpoint. Okay. So, you know, we just looked at a lot of the, the literature out there and then from a psychological standpoint, doing that research. But then we went out, given my mom and I are quantitative researchers, and did our own research, thousands and thousands of interviews, um, to really pinpoint what are Mm -hmm. those motives. You know, is it 40? Is it 10? Is it, you know, and 28 is really what the data told us. 
I see. And is this like, you know, I, I, I was maybe 17 or 18 took my parents. My parents wanted me to do like a personality Myers Briggs. Right. And that was, I don't even know if Mm -hmm. my company doesn't, you know, utilize this. Maybe it's more corporate. Maybe it's like not even a, a, a test that's too prevalent now. Like, why did you decide to go through, you know, okay, you chose 28. That was the number. Is there any correlation or similarity between like doing this type of like personality test and then assessing like, cause I almost, when I took it, this was back when I was in high school, I, I actually kind of gamed it where I certain answers that I knew mm-hmm. would, well, yep. To my to to my uh, displeasure, I, I wanted to go to a certain university that was out of state, and I got in but couldn't go because my mom said it was too expensive. But I tried to game this test. Right, I think I took it my junior year, so that getting into a program at this school, Michigan, never got to go. But I gamed it. Is there a pro- like doing these kinds of tests? Do people? I mean, obviously, you know hopefully you have the right intentions, but how do you really know when you look at the data that people are being honest? And is this, is this like still the standard to kind of go through this kind of quantitative survey? Yeah, it's great. It's a really great question. I mean, absolutely. If you were taking it and you really, you know, didn't want to be honest with your answers, that's totally an option. Right. Um, but the thing about motives met that makes it a little bit or actually very different from, you know, Myers-Briggs or, or even like a strengths finders or, you know, some of those other tests out there is that there truly are no favorites um, when it comes to motives. No motive is better than another or the right answer. So there really isn't as much of a need to say, hey, I feel like in my okay. job, I need to come off as an extrovert. So like I kind of got to rig it to like be that way. So kind of one of our work-life well-lives principles that we have is that all motives are created equal. And by the nature of the data, it's an unbiased assessment. So we we hope to begin with that we're setting the stage to say, like, there are no good motives. There are no bad motives. There, the whole point is all of these make up well-being, right? And some motives can be judged or dismissed and other ones can be put on a pedestal, okay. right? And that is the truth. But that's the mindset that we're trying to change in the world and really, especially in corporate America, make people understand, you know, Mm -hmm. a VP of sales, it's like fun is my motive. It is so important to me to be happy at work. And I left my last job because that wasn't met. So, you know, motives met is about what you, not just what you Mm -hmm. bring to the party, the way Myers-Briggs or some of these other tests are, but it's also about what the party needs to bring to you. So it's a bit different than what's out there. And it's more of what's in it for me versus what do I need to pretend to be like for someone else? Does that make sense? That does make sense. And then to, to further that question, whereby I'm being honest, but perhaps I'm not aware of what really motivates myself. Now, I haven't gone through your assessment, so maybe that eliminates these potential misnomers, right? But like, is there a false positive, so to speak, where what I believe is a motive for myself, you know, you give me the, you know, I answer the appropriate, in the appropriate way, being totally honest, I received the five. Like, it, I guess the question is, 
is there a possibility that I'm not aware of a motive I believe is true that's not really the motive, right? That doesn't really fill a void, or is that is that is that maybe better said? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think what our assessment does is it shines a spotlight on what needs your attention. Mm. Because when you look at these 28 motives, there are, you know, a few that you might kind of automatically go, hey, I kind of know that's of less importance to me. And you might be left with 15 that you're like, God, I think all of these are important. And that's kind of the whole point is we only have so much time, not only time, but attention, right? So when you get your five motives, it's kind of like these are the things that you need to sit and reflect on. These are the things that you might need help. So, you know, I, I find work-life balance really important. But for example, it's not one of my top five motives. It's just not the most important driving need right now. But it doesn't mm-hmm. mean I don't find it important. So it's interesting to think of why those motives rise to the top gotcha. of you right now. And that they will change over time, right? As your work life changes, as your personal life changes, it will impact your motives. They don't, you know, change overnight, Um, But they certainly evolve and change. And it's really interesting to think about that why behind your motives. You know, I built the algorithm and I didn't know what my five would be until I took the assessment myself. And I guessed two of the five because those are deeply tied to my values. Mm -hmm. So it made a lot of sense. I got the autonomy and flexibility motives, but I didn't know what my other three would be. And one of them was actually a bit of a surprise and it was a little Mm -hmm. uncomfortable to sit with. But... But would you say like a black? Yeah, a hundred. Yes, that's a great. Yes, a hundred percent. Because I got security. My other three okay. motives are future success, achievement, and security. And I'm an entrepreneur like you. I'm a I'm a risk mm-hmm. taker. I'm a pretty adventurous soul. So it seemed a little out of character for me to go. Wow, I need a sense of security. But it made a lot of sense once I looked at the insights behind mm-hmm. the motive. Because when you take the assessment, you get like sixty plus pages of work wellness questions and tips and all sorts of stuff related to your motives. Um, And it's really interesting to then define what does a motive mean for you? Because someone else can have the security motive and for them, you know, it might be about wanting longevity at a corporate company and a really stable path. Whereas for me, it's like, I don't want to be too in my comfort zone because otherwise I'm not living the life I want to live. But it's realizing I need a certain threshold of comfort to feel that yeah. I am taking the steps in my work life I meant to take without having too much worry and doubt in there. Okay, that makes total sense now. So the product, um, while the five, the person, that's what I was hoping for, whereby um, I get my five, two that I probably assume, maybe that's three, but there are ones that I would love to know that. Um, so to be candid, I, I see a um, psychologist for, um, you know, I just want to be always on top of my game. Um, and having blind spots is something that I, I want to know what those are because I want to be better, right? And so this can, from what I'm hearing from you, potentially uncover those. And, you know, that's this whole to bring us full circle of why you're doing this business is you want someone to feel happy, right? And, and motivated, sure, but in, in a better mental state, right? And so if they can address those with, from what it sounds like, the, 
you know, after the results are given, you are also giving solutions, correct? Or potential solutions. How does that, can you, can you, get, can you dive a little bit more into that? You get your five. Okay. There's 60 pages or, or, or whatnot. Like what are the, what's the call to action then? Right? Like, so like when I had my Brig, Briggs Myers was like, here, here you go. <laughs> it's like, okay, well I'm 17. What do I, what do I do with this? Right. So what happens yes. after? Yes. Once Absolutely. you get it. Well, I think, you know, some of it, my favorite part of the assessment results is the work wellness check-in, because I think sometimes in life, it's not about giving people the answers. It's about asking the hard questions. So the work wellness check-in is actually uh, questions related to that specific motive that helps you really reflect and think about it as to maybe why isn't this met? What mindset do I have around this motive? Is it helpful? Is it not helpful? Who do I work with that helps lift this motive up and maybe who doesn't, right? Like what's in my control to change here, what's not? So, you know, the questions are different based on each motive, but that's probably, for me, that's my favorite part of the results. Oh, wow. So, so am I to understand this correctly that once given per motive, it's really you actually asking, the, help me ask the questions to myself to the better arrived to yeah. a, a solution, which I think actually, and I, I'm sure you, you clearly have thought this, you know, well, it's kind of like saying, I don't know if this is a good analogy or not, but it's like, let's say someone has an alcohol problem. They're an alcoholic, right? Everyone, their family, their best friend, their loved one tells them, Hey, you got to go to AA. Right. But until they really realize it for themselves, like they're probably going to still continue drinking. So to actually get healthy, they need to figure that out for themselves. Like what would motivate them to stop drinking in this particular case, right? And it sounds like in this case, you help someone think about the solution themselves rather than just giving them the answer or what is perceived as the, I don't know, the answer, right? Is that, is that right? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, totally. I mean, we give... We give a summary of the motive up front of just kind of, hey, this is what the motive is. And it's like a long paragraph. It's not too lengthy. Then we have that whole work wellness check-in question, which is absolutely like you just described. It's super reflective, makes you ask yourself the tough questions and helpful questions and interesting and inspiring questions. You know, it's a mixture. And then we have a little section that just kind of helps you diagnose how healthy is this motive? Is it barely surviving? Is it threatening? You know, this motive really thrives when this motive is kind of suffering one. So you can kind of reflect on that. And then what's kind of cool is we give you tips, some broad based tips for people who work with your motives. So it gives you insight to like, hey, what could my boss better do? What could the people in my life better do? Right. And so much of meeting motives is personal, but there are some mm -hmm. broad approaches that are just best practices. And that's just kind of to get ideas flowing. So that's kind of the structure of the results. And you get that for sure, each of that's... your five. And then we give you all these prompts to help you create your own motive story. What's the motive that stresses me out the most? Which is the one I'm most grateful for? What's one thing I can do to better meet this motive that's small? What's one small thing my team could do to better meet this motive? So we all have a different story. And it's really interesting to share and hear each other's motive stories. Um, because honestly, one of the biggest obstacles to meeting motives is that they're a missing conversation, not only with ourselves, but with other people, right? So we got to talk about this stuff. And it's not often talked about in the workplace very openly. And we're all so busy in our work life. Would I have ever sat there and really reflected, you know, 
on my security motive and created a better mindset around it if I hadn't used this tool? Absolutely not would be the answer. Um, so there's just a lot of power in the communication part of the tool to really empower people, companies, and leaders to not only understand these motives better, but to talk about them and get them out in the open so that ultimately they can be better met. Interesting. You know, um, I don't know your, I know when we begin, when we, when we started the conversation and you kind of gave me the high level, I think you might, and I don't know, we'll dive in here real quick to, to, to I have a question, you know, cause you're offering this product for individuals and companies, but there might be a better, cause I also clicked on, Hey, take the assessment. What does it cost? Which I think it was 24, 20, 20. I think you're yep. highly, this is potentially, this is just my candid feedback, highly undervaluing the product. But I also mm. believe that you're not communicating really what could speak to a $200 price point. That's what I believe you could still, at scale, sell it for. Um, and I, I'll, I'll give you the reasons real, real quick. Number one. That's great insight. The thing that you're doing that no one else, from my understanding, is doing is the introspective part, right? Like you're really selling the quantitative part. But if a person really, because the, the motivation, this emotional component is extremely difficult to, to solve for, right? Especially on an individual basis. Um, and a lot of that, I love how you use the specific word story. What are the stories we tell ourselves? What are the stories we tell others, right? But this introspective component to, you know, okay, yes, I have a framework and a plan of action, but like the questions once I have uncovered these five, which maybe it was even four out of the five that I already knew, right? Confidently. But, and you probably know this in the data, if 80% of the time a person has one of the five or more that they're not fully aware of, that is the, the highest value for someone who wants to improve their mental health. Because a blind spot is a blind spot, right? And if you're yes. able to solve that problem, you're highly undervaluing the product. Now, after this, I will actually do the product. I'll, I'll give you the can of feedback. But I think there's something to be better from a, from a, um, a value standpoint of like really what you're, it is one of the most difficult things you're solving for someone outside of just the, you know, I take a test, I get the five, that's very clear. I get all of this research, I get a lot of data. Um, but the really difficult part, it's like going to, you know, I mean, I don't even know what prices cost in San Francisco or LA, what a, what you know, going to whatever you want to deem them as a psychologist, psychologist, psychiatrist, life coach, all of these things, you know what they're charging per hour, right? They're value, right? Yeah, not, not so, cheap. But I do think it's a very common thing in, in, as an entrepreneur to undersell the product. But I will do the product. I'll give you kind of feedback after. But I would say at first, now that I really understand, at least from a high level since I haven't used the product yet, I think you're highly undervaluing what you're selling. I think it just needs to be sold in a different way. With that said, because I know we don't have a ton of time, I do want to get into 
you, you have this product for individuals and for companies. You know, it, 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 when we yes. all start in business, it's like always about focus. So how do you, like, what's the vision of the company first before you answer? Like, maybe it is 50-50 your clients. I don't know. But like, what's the vision for the company? Where do you want to go? Like, what do you want to? Well, I think, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, we want to be a leader in work well-being. So, you know, the assessment is just a great tool that's part of the bigger picture. It's kind of that first step is getting that clarity. And I love the way you put it as blind blind spots, you know, finding your blind spots as companies actually figuring out what well-being at work means. It doesn't mean just offering a free yoga class or, you know, telling people to take a self-care day. Like if people's motives aren't met, that doesn't matter. So, you know, there's a lot of power in the tool but we do want to go bigger and we're in the process of writing a book and we want to do an online course for managers so they can actually manage and lead with motives in mind. So, you know, we really want to help create that work world that my mom and I dreamed of the one that what we call the attainable dream of a work life well-lived. Gotcha. So if I'm hearing you correctly, then it is, let's make the most impact and it would appear as the strategy that you're going towards would lean more to BNB, B2B, right? Like you're, you, you would like to get into companies, go to, I'm guessing the, the main person you're probably selling to is like the HR manager, or VP of HR, whatever the title is, it's HR. Yeah. Or culture or people, you know, cause right. a lot of it comes down to people want to create these great company cultures and it's like, well, how do you have mental health and well being in your culture? Right. So it's definitely speaking to a lot of people in that arena. We just worked with a company um, and they're really focused on that. And this was a, a big way for them to kind of start to implement that with their team, which was cool to see. And let me click on it really quick. Um, Yeah. Why don't you do a SaaS model with the B2B business? It's, it's, you know, it could potentially happen for sure. Um, You know, I think it's just kind of, you know, we launched like three months ago, so we're pretty new, you know, so we're just kind of starting to, you know, Mm -hmm. get our feet wet out there. But I think there's room to grow in a lot of different areas. And, you know, like you said, it can definitely be a struggle from an entrepreneurial standpoint to figure out like, where to focus, right? Because there are so many things that you want to do and you got to like, you know, focus in. So we're definitely in that stage right now of, okay, we launched it and, you know, we're getting traction and we're working with companies and people are taking it, but where do we want to go next? Um, So that's kind of the stage we're in right now. Okay. Well, we can talk uh, offline too. I have have some opinions. I think I can certainly help um, from a style strategy standpoint. Um, Okay. Cool. Really, really, really cool. Um, so I know we're running out of time, um, but I do have a sort of like fast round of questions. I have 10 questions, but I only ask five so you can pass quickly. Okay. Um, so Got it. are you ready, Kelly? Okay. I'm ready. So we'll start off easy. Are, are you a reader? Okay, great, great. Uh, so yes, what is one of your favorite books that you've read and can recommend? And why? Yeah. Ooh, gosh, there are so Any, many. I know. This is a tough one, question. Um, you can name two. You know, 
Yeah, one that comes to mind just because I actually have gone back and reread some of it because I coach as well in a in a separate business. Um, and it just, you know, I coach people with anxiety and stress and it, it really is kind of the Bible for me when it comes to that is it's called Dancing with Life with Philip Moffat. I'm not sure if you've heard of that book. Um, Dancing with Okay, what's 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 the thesis of it, or what's it about? It's really it's a mindfulness book, and it's it's actually about Buddhism, but very modern. Um, so it really teaches you how to think about mindset, really how to think about being more present, dealing with uncertainty, you know, kind of all those things, but in a very modern, real world, digestible way. So it was a book that just had a really big impact on me, and a lot of the principles and philosophies from the book really helped my clients. Um, so that's just a great one that I could throw out there. Very cool. Um, I, I liked, I usually don't interject in these questions, but I think you'll, have you ever read the book culture map by Aaron Meyer? I haven't, but I've heard of it. Is it good? Should I read that one? I think you should. Essentially it's an economist American who, you know, raises her family in, in Paris and she's like a renowned like consultant for basically all different cultures, how they communicate and do business. And, and this really cool thing is how Americans, and we'll get to it in a second because you're such a traveler, um, but Americans are the most low context country, meaning they over communicate everything. And highest, um, mm on the high context and in, in, uh, communication where it's very unclear as Americans would say is Iran. Right. And um, basically all Asian countries kind of go to the right side where you, you kind of have to read in between the lines. Right. And there's all these like objective scales on different things of communication. And the reason why I recommend that, especially with your business, you know, I could see this, extremely helpful as you know i'm calling you from berlin um you know being here now in europe for five years and in growing a business here and and the cult, different cultures companies that have multicultural and i mean actually people on the ground in different countries would find your product in my estimation like very very valuable um because once there's motivations there's Typically, you know, in our case, where mm -hmm. my two partners are American, so am I, before we moved here, and we had traveled, but there's a difference between traveling and living. You don't understand different cultures at a level of motivation, right? Americans are transactional. Um, it, it's who we are. Um, mm, but so many other cultures, that's not what's most important, right? Like the Europe, we they, they, they work to live. They don't live to work, so to speak, right? So I think book and i think very insightful so it's not to go on too much of a diatribe there yes. but no i love it i always love a, a good recommendation cool. so i wrote that one down all right second question um what are you working on to get better Ooh, that's a great question um you know i'm I'm a coach, so I think I'm constantly kind of living in that world of self-development. And to be honest, sometimes I feel like I need to take a step back and actually almost focus less on working on myself, if that makes sense. 
Um, and, and instead of always trying Passive. to kind of be better and go to the next thing, kind of stopping and just celebrating where I'm at, you know, especially given I have the achievement motive, um, us with the achievement motive people, we can tend to be kind of destination addiction people and always going to the next and working on the next goal. Um, so it's actually something I've really been focusing on in this season is to just slow down a little bit and just live a little more and not focus so much on just trying to be better or reach a goal or improve. You know, I, I, I think I also hear in between the lines, cause I think we're similar, you know, I, I don't know if you remember or familiar with my background being adopted, but we have this explorer type. It's like an archetype. It's actually another book I'm reading that's unbelievable um, about brand, but breaks up people into not that they're only that, but um, my main archetype is an explorer who, you know, because I don't know my parents, I, I've all, I love traveling, but I'm always seeking and going to that. And so, yes, there is mm. achievement, but there's also a lot of other emotions beyond that, that you may never but hopefully you 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 know you you keep going to seek um but it's part of a, i think uh, the achievement part yes is a motive but it's also part of like uh, a bigger picture of probably a large piece of who you are um this. yes yes absolutely cool. okay yeah. we're going slower than i normally go number 3 who's your icon Oh, I don't know if I have one icon, um, yeah. but I do have a lot of people I admire. Um, okay. And, you know, I, I think just maybe someone who's directly affected me in the past few years is David G, who's a meditation teacher and author. He actually teaches people in the armed forces how to be mindful and meditate um, and he, he's just an amazing person. He's the one who taught me how to be a meditation teacher and he does it in a very real world way, which is very much what I'm about to help spread mindfulness to more people. He used to work on wall street in New York in the real world, um, corporate America. So, you know, he really gets how to bring mindfulness into our day-to-day -day life in the real world. So he's just someone who I always strive to be more like and someone who inspires me always. Well, offline, I'll have to, uh, I've never given a valiant effort, but I, I definitely want to be more, uh, meditate, uh, more so and actually have it work. Um, okay. Uh, fourth one, what is one thing, this is kind of a philosophical question. What is, uh, something that society believes is true that you don't believe is true. So an example would be that the more higher education you go to equates to the more successful you will be. Hmm. A good one. I mean, I think this is a long, you know, similar lines to what you're getting at, but I, I think society very much says you should take these steps and reach these milestones in your life to be happy in a certain order, in a certain way, especially like coming from the Midwest, Steve, both of us, right? Just kind of traditional, this is how things should be done. Um, you know, and I think mm -hmm. it, it takes a lot of unlearning for a lot of people to realize life can be so many things and should be so many things and isn't supposed to be 
hey, get married by this age and have kids by this age and have this type of job and drive this type of car. And I still think that there's kind of a lot of that out there. Um, so that would probably be my answer to that one. Mm-hmm. Cool. Last one. Do you, do you, are you a quote person? Again, you can pass anytime. Uh, maybe a little bit. Okay. Do you have one? Oh, do I have a favorite? Um, or one that you like to say? I would say the greatest limitations are the ones we create in our mind by Napoleon Hill. That's, oh, um, that's, a, yeah, that was, I actually wrote that a on a piece of paper when I went to hike Kilimanjaro and brought it all the way up with me to say like, my mind is going to stop me more than anything else will. Um, so that's just one that I hold near and dear to my heart always. I, I did read that quick bio and I knew that you had traveled there. Um, that was my last extra question. What's the best city in your opinion? And what's the best like tropical place? Cause everyone's like, well, what's the best place you've ever been to? And I'm like, well, you kind of have to at least separate into two buckets. Like if you want to go to a city or do you want to go to like the middle of nowhere, whether that's cold or hot, but like, you know, you're not in the city. Do, do, do you, all the places you travel, where, what would you say? Mm, for city, you know, I'm just partial. Um, I, San Francisco is just my favorite city. It's, it's awesome. magical in this, this weird way. It's so many interesting people. It has all this crazy beauty woven into the city, but then, you know, there's kind of all this kind of ugliness too. And it's, it's just this very unique, amazing place. So yeah, that would have to, that will always be my favorite city, I think. Perfect. Awesome. Well, um, thank you so much for um, coming in. And we'll definitely, I'm going to take the assessment. I'm actually just going to do it now. And yes, I would love to know your five motives. I'm curious. I love to try to guess people's and then find out what they are. So you have to let me know. Okay. Well, I will let you know. I'll, I'll, I'm promise I'll do it now. And I'll also help. I think, I think there's an opportunity to, um, help you on this from a sales standpoint on the strategy, just like talk shop. So we should, we should definitely uh, sync up here in the next week or so since you're in the beginning and you're figuring it out. And obviously you just want to provide a product that's valuable to the client in the first place. But, um, you know, that's the most important for, for any part of the beginning of the business. So cool. Yeah. And you, you have so much experience in that arena. That would be awesome to tap into. So yeah, I would love to have um, an offline combo with you. That'd be awesome. Cool. Well, hey, thanks for thanks for coming and uh, talk soon. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Talk later. All right.